folks at the California NBA, welcome to Connect, our monthly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. As you can see, with the uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, outbreak and pandemic, we're doing things a little differently. I'm not uh, sitting right next to my uh, guest today, uh, who I'll introduce here in a second. Uh, we're uh, just like everyone else. We're working from home, working from you know the office of, uh, as uh, least amount possible. Uh, in accordance with the governor and the and the president's uh, uh, directives, and uh, we'll but we'll we'll get through it, and uh, we'll come out I think on the other side stronger, and uh, so uh, but I'm really excited about t- t- today's episode. We've got a lot of good content, and uh, but before we jump into that, I do want to mention that uh, um, if you're looking for resources for uh, um, information on the latest what's going on with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. You can go to our website, California MBA's website, cmba.com. We've got a special uh, page set up with COVID-19 resources, and uh, we've got links to webinars, and uh, uh, we've got great legal analysis from our uh, Legal Issues uh, Committee Chairman, uh, Ian Rambaran, and there's a lot of good information there from our members as well. And if you're a member of the California MBA, you've got a great site uh, set up. I know a lot of our members have their own COVID-19 resource sites. Uh, by all means, uh, shoot me an email, let me know. And we'll link it there as well. So we want to just want to make sure we get the most information as we can out to our members into the broader industry. So with that out of the way, I want to introduce uh, uh, Josh Friend. Josh is the uh, CEO and founder of Incelerate, a mortgage uh, CRM, and uh, one of the California MBA's President's Council sponsors. And uh, really excited to hear what uh, Josh has to say about uh, both uh, how his company is uh, dealing with the outbreak and also just, you know, it's one of the things where we want to get beyond the the headlines and and talk about uh, where industry is and you know where we uh, see things going in the future. So welcome, Josh. Thanks, Dustin. Uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, excited to you know find out uh, you know what you have to say. So before we get into you know uh, what's going on at Incelerate and in the broader industry, I always like to find out uh, what the uh, backstory is of our our guests and and how they got to where they are. So you know take us through your your uh, journey in the mortgage industry. Yeah. So I have uh, I started out in the industry um, like a lot of folks. I was a loan officer. Uh, 1999 was when I became a loan officer. I worked for IndyMac Bank. Had a uh, call center called LoanWorks. So I started there early on in 99. I uh, got a really first taste of this consumer direct world, um, high volume um, uh, lead man. You know, taking inbound calls, leads, and really understanding how to how that whole side of the business worked all in the consumer direct world. I then started my first mortgage company in 2003. Uh, Started building technology early on for my software, for my mortgage company. I was really uh, investing in my own software to make myself more efficient. And I've been doing that for quite some time. I've started several different mortgage companies uh, in the last 20 years. I've had a lot of success. Um, and that's what really led us to build it in Accelerate. We built Accelerate for uh, my last adventures I had with People's Bank. And then Accelerate was uh, the system we used to help really grow that organization. Um, and then out of that came other clients and other lenders asking, gee, how did you guys grow so quickly? What were you using? And then we brought Incelerate to the uh, face of the mass market about five years ago. So I've been in this business for uh, 21 years now. My uh, son now is in this business as well. He's now a licensed uh, originator. As he's working from home, uh, he's been working with me because, uh, you know, they're they're not working in their offices, which has been kind of fun because I've trained loan officers my entire life. And now I'm actually getting to hear my son pitch deals, talk to customers, try to structure loans. And um, I've been really been having a really good time being able to kind of give him some tips and listen to his phone calls and say, hey, you know, maybe explain benefit this way, or here's how you should structure the loan, or here's how you should explain the rate, the market movement now, giving him some coaching tips on how he can really talk to his customers. So it's been a lot of fun uh, recently with that as well. 
That's great. That's great. Having been able to, you know, coach your son on that. Uh, it's my, I'm coaching my son in, in Little League right now. We're, you know, we're obviously we're not playing, but, uh, you know, been coaching him and that's fun. So you're kind of uh, a few years ahead of me there coaching your son in the mortgage industry. So that, that's 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 really fun. Um, so uh, speaking of uh, working from home, how is uh, how is Incelerate dealing with all the uh, the fallout from uh, the COVID-19 outbreak? So, um, you know, luckily, if you really look at our company, we're a technology company. We're a software, we're a SaaS-based, software-as-a-service-based system. All our stuff is in the cloud. So for us, we've always been a virtually set-up company in that sense. I mean, all of our technology sits in Microsoft's Azure cloud. So we don't need any physical people to maintain that software, to run the networks, the servers, the whole type, uh, all that process. All that physical location somewhere we don't have to go manage. Um, so we haven't really been affected in that sense, other than we don't have, uh, we've been letting our uh, employees work from home. Um, I've been working in the office. We're part of one of the, uh, uh, I get the term of it, but necessary. Businesses, yeah. Yeah, Our because critical. We, yeah, critical business because we help, uh, we're helping banks and lenders. We help, we help manage uh, phone traffic. And we're also, our software is letting lenders work from home. So it lets uh, lenders route calls to people's cell phones, to their desk phones. So those lenders who have uh, uh, loan officers at home where our phone system's helping them uh, manage that uh, and also lead management. So I'm still working in the office, so, but most of the team is at home and, you know, our lenders right now, uh, you know, we're really reaching out to them, figuring out how we can help them best. What can we do with our technology to, uh, uh, you know, expand within the organization to give more people coverage and more management within their platform? Great, great. So um, yeah, now it's obviously, you know, too early, way, way too early to tell, you know, what the uh, long-term impact is going to be. Um, but just from your vantage point, just, you know, on today's, uh, you know, with today's information, What's your your sense of uh, you know where things stand, where we're going to be long term, maybe you know six, eight, uh, twelve months yeah. from now? You know, there's there, there's a couple parts to that. Um, I think in the broader, just um, there's the immediacy of what happens of today. You know, what's what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, ninety days. We have some turmoil. Obviously, we have turmoil because of COVID nineteen. We also have turmoil um, interest in our markets right now with service and values and 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 irregularities and price and swings and mortgage back securities. So that's one part of it. Not stuff I think we think we see that stuff calming down over the next 30 to 60 days. Um, but then as the overall overarching results come out of this, what's really interesting, we're going to see a lot more movement to um, and faster movement to consumer direct. So the, the market and consumers, we've already been doing this and it's been happening for 20 years, right? Amazon, why is Amazon hiring as fast as they possibly can right now? Because people are buying more and more online. So consumers are already, have started this transaction of buying directly from, from uh, businesses. And now if you're at home, guess what? That's only extended, right? So now if you're a lender out there, if you think about it, your digital strategy today is more important than it's ever been, right? So you don't have loan officers out there working open houses. You don't have, they're not dropping off, handing out flyers all that feed on the street type stuff is gone. So it's all digital strategy. And, you know, we're really seeing um, the market move that way. You know, New York Times came out last week with an article and basically said something to the fact that big technology is going to be the big winner out of this. Because as people are staying home, you know, these routines, I, I can't, I, I don't know about you, but I can only imagine um, how many people have ordered food from like Amazon Prime or Instacart, right? And they've never done it before, right? There you go. So you're, you're now... Let me guess. You'll probably do that at some level moving forward. It's right. It's it's really convenient. I can't argue with that. That's right. 
So, so once you, I, I've done a few things new. I'm like, oh, this is really convenient. I, I'll give you an example. Just a consumer trend in general, um, and I and I use this one. Think about, I like um, clothing brands. Just think about this. So, there hasn't been any new clothing brand or shoe line that's been launched in the last five plus years, minus a celebrity brand. Celebrity brands are are always there, but minus that, other than direct brands online, shoes, for example, like Joybird shoes. Or the the Zix shoes that you can slip right in on your feet. I bought uh, maybe half a dozen pair of shoes online now. So take a look at shoe brands for men. There's no new shoe brands going into stores. They're all going on consumer direct. I'm seeing in my Instagram feed. I'm seeing in my Facebook feed. Same with clothing, Stitch Fix, all these things where you can buy a box. They send a box once a month to your house. That box has a pair of pants, a shirt, a sweater, shoes, a whole wardrobe. You keep what you want, send back what you don't want. All consumer direct. So I mean. This movement's already been taking place, and you can already see how it's already happening and developing in our consumers. Now, as it moves more into, you're being forced, now you're being forced to do more stuff uh, digitally and online than you ever have before. So we really see this just speeds up the, the, the movement to consumer direct. And it's not just, it doesn't mean that retail lending goes away. It just means that your consumer is going to be online digitally as well as in, as face-to-face -face and in person. So having the ability to manage that is becoming very, very impactful. And in the future, it's only speeding that process up. We we said in three to five years, if you did, if you weren't strong digital lender, you'd be out of business. I think what this has done is to sped it up by a year or two. So maybe you have two to three years. In two or three years, if you don't have a very strong digital presence, digital retargeting, digital management, lead management, understand you know your data, you probably will have a hard time staying in business because someone else is going to come in and do that better than you know you will right now. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. I mean, to your point, I just saw this morning a uh, an ad on my phone for Carvana, and it's one of those things that you know, I don't know, two weeks ago, a month ago, I would have, you know, and I've seen them before, but and I've always kind of brushed them off, like who in the world is going to buy a, a car, spend you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a car and never see it, never you know smell the inside of the car or, or drive it, or but yeah, I, I, yeah. My last three cars I bought online. The last three That's cars I bought. Yeah. I bought yeah. online. I'd never, I've been buying cars online for like seven or eight years now. And, and, you know, I, I bought them up, never went down, never saw them. So yeah, it, but it's, but that's where consumers are going. This is just where the, but now you can see it right now. You go, Oh, if, I, if you need a new car right yeah. now, do you want to go down to the, to the car lot and go touch all yeah. the cars? No, no. I agree. you don't, you don't. And you pretty much now know what they all look like. You pretty much now know what they all are inside. I mean, so this is just, it's only, and then with the 3D pictures, you can get a virtual tour inside of it. And you can, you know, you can even color, you can change the colors online. You can make it black or blue or red or green and change interior colors and see exactly what the car would look like. That's the experience. So to the point, that's the experience that consumers expect. And what's, what, what's, what's, they don't just expect it in one area. It's not like, oh, we want to be able to buy cars that way. Or we want to be able to order groceries that way. But when it comes to a mortgage, I want to come in and I want to photocopy a bunch of papers and sign a bunch of things. And, yeah. and I want to have you send me sets of disclosures six times and, you know, take 45 days and, and, and I have to call my accountant and I have to call my HR person and I got to go to the bank and I have to, no, consumers aren't going to expect and want that, right? That's, that has to change as well. They both have to change. Yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking of that engagement, where do you see that, you know, lenders are doing the right thing when it comes to borrower engagement? And where do you see, you know, where there's, you know, where we need to, where we need to improve as an, as a, as an industry? 
Um, so I think one of the things that lenders really fail to do is understanding their, their customers and, in, and just, just engaging in general. Meaning, if you have a customer who comes to your website, calls you, applies, raises their hand in some way or another, you need to have that person in your database and you need to stay in front of them for their life. Right, building customers for life means staying in front of your customers for life. The MBA did a study a handful of years ago, and it said uh, one in four borrowers went back to the original lender. So mm-hmm. 75% of the time, they go with a different lender. However, in that study, they interviewed the people and they said 50%, over 50% of the time, the consumer would have went back with the original lender. But the response was they weren't there when they were looking for the refinance or a new loan. So it wasn't that it wouldn't do business again with the same person. It was just, hey. I did this loan, and then think about this. If I did a loan with you, and I gave you, let's just talk about how many people do you want to give your social security number to, your income and all these statements? There's not a lot of people I feel comfortable giving all the information to. So if you, Dustin and I, we did a loan in the past, and I gave you all my financial information, and I felt safe and secure, and you know it was a decent transaction, and you and your company come around the next time around, do I really want to give that out to someone else new if I don't have to, or would I rather do business with the same person I did business with in the past? Usually, I will go business, do business with you again, Dustin, because you helped me with my largest financial transaction. The average American consumer, largest financial, trans, largest financial transaction they'll have is their home. So if you've helped me with that in the past and did a good job, why would I give you the business again the second time around, the third time or fourth time? Well, the reason is you're not there when I want the loan. And the reality is I'm selling a commodity. So like you did an example of selling the car. Well, why can I buy a car online? I don't have to go to the Audi dealership or the or the Ford dealership to look at the Ford F-150 truck and think it might be different than the Ford F-150 truck I get from the other person you know down the street. We know it's the same truck. We're selling a commodity. Well, the mortgage is the same way. If I'm calling you saying I, I'm buying a house and putting 20% down, I want a conventional loan. It's the same thing from you for someone else. Fees and rates they may be plus or minus net to a borrower five bucks a month. We're not talking over life alone. One lender may be $2,000, $3,000 cheaper than the other or more. And over 30 years, that's not a lot of money. It really, I mean, we're talking sure. really well. So it's service. It's, it's service. And, prices. I mean, yeah. Service and convenience, right? Service and convenience. So yeah. if you are in front of me when I'm buying that next home because you have stayed engaged with me. And so here's the, the things about engagement that borrowers or lenders aren't doing like they should. Real simple one, like website retargeted. If someone goes to your website and looks at your webpage, it's very easy to drop a cookie on their on their desktop. So anytime they go to any other web pages, they're searching around, you can display an ad to them. Matter of fact, you can even get as tricky as saying you can call out your top competitor lenders' websites and say, anyone who goes to these websites, I want to retarget these people on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Google AdWords. You can actually Find people who aren't necessarily going to your website, but are going to your competitors' websites and engage them. And then once someone raises their hand, we've all seen this. I bought those shoes online because I saw the ad on Facebook and then saw it on Instagram. I then saw a desktop version of the ad. And I saw, I mean, so I they, I started seeing these ads everywhere. And so I went, well, all right, so if this shoe company has this many ads and they look like they're good ads. They were like nice ads and they had reviews again. So the, all the techniques that anyone wanted, they had reviews about people who liked their shoes and this digital transaction. They were all around me. I saw them in all of my different feeds. They felt like it was a brand that built brand right in front of me over, you know, a 30 day period. I bought the shoes because it was, I, I knew who they were. It was easy to deal with. Same thing with being a lender. 
right? If I raise your hand, if I go to, if you're working, if you're a real estate agent and people are going to open houses, now it's a little different because there's not as many open houses, but maybe there's a digital version of open house right now. If I go to an open house, why wouldn't I put you in some type of database, right? Like people use our engagement platform and our, our system will email, text message, ring his voicemail, Facebook, Instagram, um, do direct mail and phone calls and engage these consumers forever. So that I think that's one of the biggest things that you need to learn. And you can take a page book out like an Amazon or any of these large online players. Once you're in their database, they're marketing to you. They're staying in front of you. I got direct mail from Amazon about a year ago. I was an Amazon Prime member and I never use Amazon Prime video. And I got this piece of mail in my mailbox and it said it was from Amazon. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. I'm going to go ahead and open it up and read this because it's from Amazon. And the letter said, very simple. Dear Josh, you've been an Amazon Prime member for over a year. We've noticed you've never logged into using Amazon Prime videos. If you're not aware, Amazon Prime videos is free with your membership. And it gave me like three titles. You should check out this one, this or this one, three shows. And I went and I actually started watching Amazon Prime video. Now, the truth to be told, I've got emails from Amazon Prime telling me the same thing. I've seen banner ads about Amazon Prime. Knowing I had these, I could do this, the same thing. It wasn't, I was, it wasn't that I was unaware. It wasn't that they hadn't marketed it to me before. It's just all of a sudden now I got this piece of direct mail. And I within 24 hours, now I watch Amazon Prime video. So having the ability to engage consumers in all these different mediums, I think is what's really powerful today. And that's what lenders can do, right? So these are platforms like ours where we get the experience. They're going to get emails, you get a phone call, you can get a Facebook ad, you get an Instagram ad, you get a voicemail, and you can also get a direct mail piece. So actually engaging all these consumers so that we're, whenever they're ready to buy or transact, you're in front of them. That's kind of the key to it is you stay in front and be relevant. You know, you don't want to just, you know, it used to be we emailed people and we emailed them all the time. Five times, five times a week got really annoying. Yeah. People or then it was text people, text them all the time. Well, you know, you can't email everyone every day and you can't text everyone every day. You have to have different means of communication. You look at Amazon, look at any of those, you know, you're going to see the same experience. You're not going to get emails from them every day. You're going to get different modes of communication. You're going to, they're going to engage with you and be there when they're ready to buy, when you're ready to buy. So if you're not, you know, you know, if you don't have the power of, uh, you know, the data power of an Amazon or, or Google behind you, though, how do you as an LO, as a former LO yourself, I mean, how do you, you know, uh, organize and, and stay organized with all those different forms of communication today? I mean, so two ways. One, you can work 20 hours, 20 hours a day and get really, get really good at it and do lots and lots of work, lots and lots of spreadsheets create lots of content, creative strategy, or two, you can come to someone like us. Right, there's technology out there right now. We're, we have turnkey, turnkey solution. You don't have to do all this work. We have all the integrations built. We have the strategy built, and we actually have the content built for it as well. So there, so you can come to someone like us where a lender, where lenders can come to us, you start using our software, we automatically do all this engagement for you. You don't have to do the heavy lifting, which is why we're really excited just about software as a service in general. Same reason why we're able to work from home this whole cloud compute and software as a service. If you're a lender, the amount of money it would cost you to build the content for, you know, we have two years of strategy. It would cost a lender to go pay someone quarter million dollars, maybe half a million dollars to write all this content. I mean, it's a lot of content. And then it would take a lender. I mean, I probably spent 50 to hundred hours of my time just going through strategy, going through all the data we had. And that was just me. Not, I have a whole team. 
they were doing the same thing, but I had it that many meetings going over a strategy of when should call text, they're going through the data. So that would cost lenders, you know, I, when I was a lender, I didn't have this. I wish I did. Someone would come to me and give them, I would have done this, but I didn't, I didn't have the resources or time to do this. Software as a service, we have lots and lots and lots and lots of lenders for all paying. So everyone's able to leverage right that. So you, you don't have to pay the million dollars a year to use software like this. You can pay the $50,000 a year. And because you have, you know, there's a hundred other lenders who are paying for the system, if you will. So well, really I mean, the, and the strategy fresh too. I mean, there's no way you can, you know, manage that on your own just with your, you know, sort of as a, as a, you know, lone ranger, you're doing it yourself. Yeah. You can, yeah. It'd be, it'd be too hard to figure out what message to give to who, when, you know, on Facebook, you'd have to, it would, it would take you all day long, 20, it'd take you 20 hours a day, every day, seven days a week, just to try to get this data out if you're doing it manually. Yeah. Well, and I think also, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, would concern me if I was a lender is, you know, if I wanted to expand, I mean, if my business has been very local for a long time and I want to expand to different markets, if I'm doing it all myself, I don't know what's going on in those other markets. If I don't have, like you said, the, you know, that leveraging, uh, leveraging of all that data from all the different companies and, you know, basically the industry as a whole. Yeah. Well, there's lots uh, of power in that right now. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I've, uh, when in the last couple of years, I, I staff our mortgage technology and marketing committee and, and we just launched our mortgage innovators conference last year, which by the way, I'll, I'll mention right now, uh, since uh, we're, since I mentioned it, I'll, I'll uh, say that our mortgage innovators conference, which has been originally scheduled for early May this year, we are just now. And as of this, as of this uh, um, discussion here, I, I don't even think you know yet, Josh, but We've, uh, we're rescheduling the Mortgage Innovators Conference. We're not canceling it. It's going to be now uh, August 16th through the 18th. And so if you're interested in going to the Mortgage Innovators Conference, it's mortgageinnovators.com. And we're really excited about that. So, you know, that plug aside, at last year's conference and just the last couple of years talking to uh, tech uh, vendors in the industry and sort of uh, tech-minded uh, lenders, you know, my question is always sort of, you know, what do you see next? Or what's the big, big, you know, breakthrough that we're going to see next? And the last year or so, I've heard, you know, almost 100% of the time to a person that it's not, the question shouldn't be about what's next. It's really a question of how we deal with the existing technology. We've got great technology now. It's just a matter of, you know, integrating it, organizing it within their, you know, existing tech stack. You know, what's, so what's, what's your take on that? I think you're, not, that you're absolutely right. Um, we have, I mean, there is the, part of the challenge of the mortgage industry is our technology is old. Let's just say, you know, and the reality there are the LS system of that, you know, Ellie May, over half of all loans go through Ellie May's platform, right? They're obviously clearly the market leader, but the, some of their software was built in the 90s, right? So it's just, so the challenge is um, now it's, it's obviously it's completely functional. It does, it 100% does, it does the job. But then what you just said it was right, the integrations of the different pieces of technology, that's where the struggle has really come down to, is because some of these systems were built so much, so, such a long time ago. The data structures, the whether they really have APIs or not, all these things have made um, integrating technology more difficult. So you're right, lenders, it's not about we need to create something new. Now, the new thing I think will come into industry, it's not even necessarily a new thing, it's 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 already in existence, is AI and robotics, but that's that's an already an existent technology out there. And all that really comes down to is someone integrating that into our current our current technology stack. You're absolutely right. So give me an example like an LOS. LOS or a point of sale solution. So you have point of sale solutions and you have LOSs and you have loan officers and you have a loan officer who may start a file in the point of LOS on borrower Sally Smith, 
Sally Smith may also go to the website and start applying. And then me as a loan officer got an automated email that says, hey, Sally, you know, use my link to my point of sale solution and start applying for an application. All of a sudden, they click on that. I could potentially have two or three Sally Smiths in my database. And so then how do I coordinate that all together? So that those are struggles or the data flow from one system to the next or data validation. Or, you know, um, I'll give you an example, like in servicing, we have lenders servicing clients. Having access to that service and data is invaluable if you're a loan officer and you're trying to refinance someone. Even go as far as integration, integrating the service and platform, the service and phone system into one technology stack to where uh, if you're a servicing client, you call in, um, one of our lenders is doing this now, been doing this for a couple of years, you call into the service and client phone number because you have a question about your payoff or something. That servicing system and phone system looks at our, gives us the data that's integrated through our platform, tells us this number is 714-536-1212. We look at it, or if they collected the loan number, if the consumer punches in the loan number, tells us that information. We look at it and say, oh, this person's in the market for a refinance. They've been, they've been highlighted for refinance. Instead of sending that call to the servicing group, let's route that call to our loan officers. Now, when the loan officers take the call, they actually have a servicing screen because their systems are connected. And they also have access to Encompass because they previously encompassed because all the systems are connected. So now I'm a loan officer. I can talk to you and say, oh, let me ask you this, answer those questions about your servicing. What, 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 what did you want to know? Oh, what your payoff is? I have your payoff. And this is all done through our platform. Shows them the payoff, escrow balance, whatever it may be. You know, it looks like you might be able to refinance. You, you look like you're in the market. Let me go ahead and start a new transaction for you. If they say yes, great. I already have all your loan file. Are you still working at... Um, Smith Smith Elementary School there in Huntington Beach. You know, it's all right in front of them. They hit another button and then transaction starts. So that's the kind of experience. And what we talked about buying a car, consumers expect better experience. That's the kind of experience that really is what it comes down to is how do you make all that work seamlessly? And then the same thing with the engagement side and the marketing side. To make the marketing work like we talked about earlier, you have to have all your data integrated and all the systems working together, right? So we look at some lenders, they have a point of sale solution that sends out emails, a LOS system that sends out emails, a third party CRM type system that sends out emails, and then like a fourth system that's an email platform. So they can have like three, four different systems that are trying to message these customers. How can you have consistency of message of brand of timing with four systems? You can't. So you really need a central place to manage, to view all this data and to manage all your transactions. And that's where stuff like Accelerate comes in. Right. Not only do we have CRM engagement, but a lot of lenders use us, just use us and really benefit from our ability to tie in a service and platform that's 20 years old, that doesn't have an APIs, but can give us some type of nightly FTP download or can give us real time. Like It could be very chaotic that we can get out of that side. We can take that data into our platform, normalize it. And then the LO system sits over here and we can pass information back and forth or to the phone system or the pricing engine or to the whatever it may be, you know, having that platform that can really take in a lot of different data, but then also have like what I call decisions around that data. So if, um, you know, a loan amount changes over here in this system, this system here is watching, monitoring, oh, loan amounts changed. Let me go ahead and tell this system to do something else. So instead of trying to go in there and, you know, and that's the struggle with you, to your point of integration, you can't go in there and integrate seven systems to one another. Yeah. Right. They don't they're not going to all talk and you'd have it'd be really difficult. Then you'd have to have some way to like a master. And they're saying, well, of the seven, who's the owner of the record? Who's right with the record? Who's who does what? 
So it's, 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 you can't do that. So now you use something like what we've built. And it's just part of one of the things that our CRM and engagement platform does and it's what lenders, you know, it's, it's an added bonus, if you will. You now have the platform in the middle that can do all that, can see all these different systems, can read the data. Now you can build it yourself. So, you know, if you want to you go out there and try to build something like this yourself, but having that integration, you're absolutely right. That is the next biggest thing. You know, if I get a call, we all have this experience. I call the bank, I give my bank account number, my information. They ask me some questions and they say, hold on, I need to talk to a supervisor. And they transfer me to someone else. And they ask me all the same questions again. It's a horrible experience. Yeah. Right. We, but, but we, as lenders do that over and over and over and over again to our borrowers. So use an integrated technology. So you have all the access, all the information. I don't want to need to ask. I don't, shouldn't ask you. I did a loan for you a year ago. I shouldn't have to ask you what was your original loan amount. I did a loan for you. I shouldn't ask you, where do you work? I should ask you, are you still working at such and such? Right. I should ask you, oh, are you still banking with Bank of America? Are you still banking with Chase? I should ask you these questions versus trying to get the information from me because we all know we all have that experience. You know, no one likes to try to give it twice. You know, I don't like giving the bank information twice and they go, I just told so and so. I just gave them all this information. Now you wait, I gotta give you my mother's maiden name all over again. I gotta do all this after you've been on hold. Yep. After they've been on hold, right? Again. I think the biggest change in just consumers and Amazon's highlight this is make the buying process easier and they will buy from you over and over again. That's we want convenience. Consumers want convenience over pretty much convenience and security over anything else. We want our convenience and security. We will trade up convenience, for example, um, cell phones. Uh, the idea of 20 years ago, you having a GPS on your cell phone, because I was in that space. People and we had some. We had worked on some technology. Had some GPS technology on it where people could actually locate you on your phone. Twenty years ago, consumers were like, "No way!" Oh yeah. I do not want someone knowing where I'm at. I don't want a record of it. Uh-uh. But then all of a sudden, Google Maps came into play. Ooh, this is convenient, right? Now it's convenience. It's easier for me now. I go. So, oh, it knows I'm getting home. Until I, so now all of a sudden. We don't mind the security or privacy that we once had because it's convenience for us. So we traded our privacy of our phones not knowing we are for the convenience of it being useful for us. So consumers, same thing, will do with buying mortgages. Those lenders who make the transaction the most convenient are going to get more business and over the next 10 years will grow and stay in business. Those lenders who do business the same way they've always done it and don't adapt and change right now won't last. It, it just, they can't last. Every other business that you look at, Sears he yeah. is out. I mean, you, you, the stories of people have not changed to what consumers are buying, how consumers are changing. Uh, you know, there's a graveyard of big businesses that are out, uh, out of business because they have, they failed to change. And there's, yeah. you know, people like Jeff Bezos, who's now one of the wealthiest people in America in 20 years because he just, he didn't do anything new. Really? You're just, all you're doing is you're buying stuff from him. And he just made it really, 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 really easy for you to buy from them. You're buying, you're buying a commodity. It's just convenient now. He essentially took the Sears catalog and just made it online and made it convenient and easy. I mean, that's right. That Sears was the original. I, I did a whole, I have had a whole speech about this. Sears was the original Amazon. They were the, yeah. they, they were the original people to do online. They just failed to use technology. And we have lenders right now that say, "Well, I have the greatest loan officers in the world." They have the best relationship with the real estate agents. I mean, they, these people have been producing me for 20 years. It's just fantastic. And, you know, the bright side with some of that is we're going to have a lot of loan officers that are going to retire in the next two to three years. 
So as the shift takes place and as consumers buy more and more online and those loan officers and lenders who haven't gotten digitally, um, the retirement may just take care of, you know, instead of people going out of business, the retirement age will probably just, will, will kind of even itself out. So I think that's, you know, I don't think we're going to have a massive, you know, reduction of workforce in our industry. We just won't rehire all those people, you know, as the market changes. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to your point, I mean, that that will, you know, you've got, you're going to have all these younger uh, LOs and professionals that don't have those existing relationships and can't just rely on those, you know, long, you know, long practiced methods of uh, reaching borrowers and their, and their uh, realtor partners. So to your point, yeah, I mean, you need something like this that will keep them engaged and, and uh, in front of the borrower. So, you know, you know, on that, on that point about younger borrowers, what's your, you started your business, you got involved in the, in the industry at a younger age and started your business at a youngish age. You know, what's your, what would be your advice to, uh, you know, someone young in the industry who's looking to, you know, find ways to get engaged and get involved and, you know, what do I do? So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I'll give the same advice I gave to my son, which is uh, be educated first, be educated, learn. Um, you know, absorb these things. You know, when I first got in the industry, I don't think I was paying attention to understand how the mortgage-backed security market worked. I really, I wasn't paying that much attention to it. I didn't understand the difference between the treasury, how the treasury worked, the 10-year versus the Fannie Mae coupons and how they they aren't always work lock stop together. But, you know, I didn't understand the market. I didn't understand how the secondary market works, servicing work. There's a lot of things that you can be, be educated on. So first and foremost is if you're in this, if you're in this industry, if you're going to make this a career, be professional about it. Be educated about it. Learn. Um, watch webinars like this. Watch other webinars. Go to trade shows. Trade shows, meet people, network. Right now is a great time if you're young. Network now because the people you're working with today, the relationships you're working with today, and I can look it back now, I go, huh, oh, I know. I remember 20 years ago, I was a loan officer with so-and-so, and now they're running this mortgage company. I, I have five different mortgage companies that I know of from that were all former employees of mine hmm. 15 years ago, five different people. I saw have mortgage companies are up and running mortgage companies. They were once loan officers of mine. Now they're running companies. And I worked with some of these folks too and other folks. So just that network, networking people get involved. You know, I, um, we're sending one of our, our folks to your future leaders program. I think that's a great thing to do, right? Go to, you know, do the California uh, MBA has futures leaders program and get involved in there because you're going to meet other people in the industry. You're going to learn more about this industry and it's going to make you more professional, right? So that's just, if this is going to be your career, study it because you didn't learn about this in school, right? There wasn't like, you know, there wasn't a class in school that taught you about how this all works. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I'm still learning. This is a, this is a, it's, it's not like you, you can learn it all in a day. So be a constant learner, learn, read, um, you know, really, you know, get involved. Um, we get involved with trade shows, get involved, you know, there's, uh, 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 books to read and there's also committees you can get involved in as well. You know, all those things are just really just jump in, get involved, make this your, make this your, your profession. Don't just work, you know, Monday nine to five and go home and do something else. You know, it's get rid of one of your Netflix binge shows for a month and, and, and read. Let go of Tiger King. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know about Tiger King. That's a tough one, <laughs> but maybe not. Yeah. Let go of Tiger King for, but yeah, let go of something and, and just study and, and learn. Right. So, you know, that's, that's what I could say is learn about this business. So you're educated and you're professional and you understand how the industry works. Cause there, I will tell you, there's a lot of ignorance out there. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of just people and it's not, 
it's not, I'm, it's not, I'm not trying to knock the people out of the ignorance because, you know, my son was, I was talking about something and he, he gave me something about pricing and a loan. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, I don't think that's good though, dad. And I'm like, well, actually that's not, that's not true. Let me, let me take you back through it to, you know, we had to walk back from start to finish. And it was like, oh, that's very different than I thought it was. So there's a lot of ignorance out there just, you know, in the marketplace. So just be educated, um, I think is really, you know, one of the biggest things, be educated and get involved. Right. Well, and, you know, to that point, I mean, you guys are members of the California MBA and President's Council sponsors this year. And thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and uh, so one thing that uh, uh, that I hear, you know, often from uh, potential members and even some members sometimes, it, you know, they don't necessarily understand or really value or get the uh, the um, the power and the importance of our uh, advocacy program at the California MBA. That's really our, you know, from my perspective at least, that's the number one reason why we exist. I mean, we're not a a for-profit conference, you know, uh, uh, conference show uh, organization that you know exists just to put on, you know, networking shows. I and mean, we really have uh, a purpose in our advocacy. So, what would be your your advice to you know a colleague or someone in the industry that maybe just doesn't you know, things that, ah, you know, someone's going to do that advocacy work, but, you know, I don't know how important it really is. Well, first, I mean, we talked about this earlier, when it comes to our government, you know, in our country, our government's made up of us, uh, the people, right? So if we don't go out and we don't advocate for industry, who's going to advocate for our industry? You know, we have to advocate for industry. Um, you know, I, I've been, obviously, you know, I've been in this business for 20 years. When I went through the whole uh, market meltdown, and out came Dodd Frank. Um, I, you know, who was who was in there, you know, being an advocate, saying how how should we really make these disclosures rules? Are these really effective? Are they really helping us? You know, and today, I mean, you know, I, we've talked about this before. They didn't really help us. I don't think that all these disclosures rules necessarily had, has given our industry protected any consumer. The last study I looked at it cost the average consumer I think is twelve hundred dollars more. Every consumer now pays for a loan because of compliance needs, right. and that was because. What they wanted to do was catch unscrupulous lenders who would send someone a good faith estimate, which we no longer have that. Now it's, you know, the LE and it's different name, but they sent a good faith estimate and maybe they said the title fee was 500 and really it wanted to be 900 or they would, you know, bait and switch, which was not right. That's a bad practice. So now let's do this LE and CD and you have to guarantee these fees and that way, you know, that won't happen anymore. Well, the reality is, unfortunately, there's a lot of unscrupulous lenders that were doing they're just now canceling canceling the file starting a new file and changing the fees so those bad players aren't necessarily out of the market but what's happened is now every consumer pays for pays for it right more money gets paid by our consumers and consumers may be potentially lost in the, the begin with so i'm not saying we don't need regulation i'm not saying we don't need to understand and, and, and protect consumers but what i'm saying is we need more people who are actually in the trenches of doing loans right you know when i was involved with people's bank we had we had some issues with um a regulator on just some pricing things about how we price to the market and i can tell you being part of, of the organization we weren't doing disparage pricing or any it was very very clear very cut and straightforward it was just we realized that the regulators didn't understand how trades were made how secondary market trades were made so they they had it well we don't understand how, why were these locked this day versus that day and the hedge? And it really was nothing to do with anything bad to the consumer. It just was ignorance on the part of, of, of the regulators that didn't understand how the mortgage market worked. So they had to be, you know, there was a whole explanation period that took a while to explain to them. Let me tell you how this works, how we lock loans, how we, 
close loans, how we fund loans. And once they understood it, they're oh, okay, this makes sense. But it still took time, it took time, well, money, and resources yeah. to, for them to edge. So if we don't do it, who's going to tell them? Yeah. Well, and I mean, most regulators that uh, you know I've been in and around or been you know in front of, and and we've been in front of in the past. I mean, they want to know. I mean, most of them don't come to the you know whether it's the Department of Business Oversight or real estate or or uh, another regulator. They don't necessarily come in there directly from the mortgage industry, so they don't. They may have a lot of you know knowledge about financial markets in general, or or uh, or they may not. They may just be in a sense a political appointee. But you know, when they actually do get in front of our actual lenders, I mean, our our lobbyists and our advocates do a great job. Uh, they really do on a day to day basis. But nothing really does. Um, Nothing's a substitute for having actual mortgage lenders be in front of the regulators and tell them this, what you're, you know, the, uh, the regulation that you're considering, this is how it would impact my business on a day-to-day basis, how it would affect the you know, employees, the customers, the access to credit. And uh, so, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I think that you make a good point that you know, there is a ton of ignorance and it's not willful, it's not bad, but yeah. it's something that, you know, we need both lenders to uh, make sure their folks are getting involved uh, and both at the national level and here in California at the state level. Um, yeah. And so that's that's great. I appreciate that. Um, well, especially if California, I think it's 25% of mortgages in America come through exactly. California. So I, obviously this is one fourth of mortgage business in the, in the country. Then this is a, definitely a very um, powerful place to spend time, right? Is not in California, the California MBA, because this affects so many of our consumers. Yeah, well, and you know, a lot of the, regulations and uh, uh, bills throughout the nation, <laughs> their genesis is really in California, stuff that is you know, done here first, the other states will sort of follow in, in many respects. And, and so it really does make, you know, if you're a multi-state lender you know, or a, a, a business like yours that operates it with lenders that are multi-state, you know, it really does pay to invest in what's going on in the legislature here in Sacramento, because a lot of that stuff you'll end up seeing in you know, every state in the rest of the country. Yep. Uh, so as we uh, end here, I want to make sure we we end on a, uh, a positive note or at least a, a a hopeful note. So what's your what would be your your thought, uh, closing thought or a tip to lenders on how to you know sort of navigate the next uh, the next few months? You know something maybe they're missing, something that you know we can uh, leave everyone on a, on a positive note. Um, so one is just I would say uh, education, uh, communicating to your staff. The loan officers of just the change in impending changes, what's going on in the marketplace on a daily basis. If you know, as, as government loans are starting to change, explain that to them so that they know how to explain it to their their consumers as well. Um, but on a positive note, rates are fantastic where they are. If you really look at the where the marketplace is at, um, lenders have had six seven months of fantastic pipelines. So this this will have it will we will have a 30 day hiccup in our marketplace. But the truth of it is, their pipelines are so big. There's so much volume out there that I don't see this becoming a, any, a, a, a long extended problem for any of our lenders in the marketplace because they're still just trying to catch up for the pipeline they locked two months ago. You know, as, as the market changes, it'll even itself out. But lenders just, now's a really good time. Again, think about the data and all the people you touch and the value that's there, right? Just, you know, you know they're, they're right now, I guarantee you, all these lenders, there's hundreds if not thousands if not millions of dollars of value in their data if they could make it actionable so all the past loans past hand raisers in a market like this if you know rates one day are really high because of you know the market fluctuation and then two days later they drop by half percent 
having a system in place that you can all send hit a button and message everyone that says give us a call now rates are better so it's a, that technology is out there that's something that's easy to do and those lenders who use that technology and capitalize are going to grow there's going to be some major winners over the next 12 months that come out here. i wouldn't be surprised if in two three years from now the top 20 30 lenders there's some there's some there's one or two new players in that group just because of their you know i we have a we, i can tell you there's some lenders in our, our our platform one of our lenders who's grown unbelievably over the last two years he's like josh i'm doubling down i'm hiring more they already bought four months worth of computers so that they want just in case there was a stall getting supplies that we're hiring more people we're doubling down they're doing great and they'll they'll probably be one of those people that come pushes out and comes in you know two three years you see their name in the top 20 30 lenders in america so there's lots of opportunity and anytime there's market turmoil there's opportunity so those lenders who just Pay attention and look, you know, look for that with opportunities. Look at your data. That might be the best place to find some opportunity right now. Awesome. Well, hey, appreciate that, Josh. That's all the uh, the time we've got to hit for today's, uh, this month's episode of Connect. Uh, you can uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to us either uh, uh, through iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube and uh, catch uh, past episodes and uh, anything we've got going on in the future. But uh, we'll uh, see you next time on Connect, our monthly podcast with uh, movers and shakers in the industry. We'll see you later.